Hello, hockey fans, and welcome to the podcast. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and along with Chris Liza. Did I do that again, Chris? Did I get it right? Perfect. Okay. Along with along with Chris Liza, he is uh, the New York Islanders contributor at, at uh, Get Real Hockey, and he covers the NHL for uh, thehockeywriters.com. We're going to have a great show today. We're going to get into uh, a little bit of talk about what's going on in the first week. If any of the early early successes are going to maintain their their hot starts, and if any of the teams that haven't won yet, <coughs> LA Kings, huh, uh, are going are going to be able to uh, pull it together and maybe win a game here before December. Um, also, we have some special guests in with us. Uh, Sarah and Liz run the Din Talk podcast. They're an Arizona Coyotes based podcast. Uh, you can find them on iTunes at Din Talk. They're also on Sound SoundCloud AZ Den Talk. Uh, Sarah's we found Sarah. She's a uh, contributor to the Five for Howling SB Nation page that covers the Arizona Coyotes, and on Twitter it's at Sarah Howling. And her partner in crime on the podcast, Liz, is at Cinderbella, C I N D E R B E L L A. Uh, first, let's welcome in the ladies. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having us on. No, yeah, thank you. Oh, it's our pleasure. We uh, we're an interview-based podcast. We like to go around the around the world here and pick up contributors, bloggers, media members, and uh, focus on a different team every week, as well as the NHL on a whole. And and all your content looked really good. And uh, since we're trying to get a, a team here in Las Vegas, obviously, uh, get some perspective mm-hmm. on desert hockey and and how you guys think it's going to work out up here with a built-in rival down there. Uh, but first, let's uh, do our first segment. We like to go around the league, and we might as well might as well get into the hot starts right away. We got some unexpected teams that haven't yet taken a loss since we have our Coyotes friends on. Well, uh, Arizona's out of the gate in a hurry. The young the young guns there are, are pumping goals in like uh, no tomorrow. And, Declare last night hat trick. Yeah. Domi scored again. Um, is that, that is that so going to be a? Amazing. What do you think? Are they uh, are they off to a hot start and they're going to come down to earth, or are we seeing the the growth of the franchise right now? I think what it is is last season took a toll on everybody on that team, even the prospects coming up. With how terrible that team was. I think this year they are looking for redemption, and if you look, if you look at it, it looks like they're built similarly to the 2011-2012 team. They just beefed up their offense. And the yeah, and I, I mean, I think I'm I'm just a total optimist. If you ever listen to me, I'm I said this from the start. I think that every even even though it's been scoring by the young young ones, I think that the veterans on the team have a fire under their butts. I mean, Shane Jones, bless his heart, and I love him with all of my heart. He's 39 now, and he has been a lifelong, pretty much, coyote, and he wants to see his team go well. So I think all of them are pushing themselves to as far as they can. Now, I have to say, I didn't expect Max Domi and Duclair to come out swinging so hard but I saw that we were going to do well because I just think that everybody on the team is kind of ready to do well they don't want to be last year (laughs) well and Domi Domi has a lot to prove because he thought he was making the team last season and so coming out with this start scoring in the first game it's it's showing you what they're going to hit a wall. They can't keep up this pace forever, but it's going to be fun while they do it. And he was so close to a Gordie Howe hat trick twice, two times. In his very first game, he could have gotten a Gordie Howe. He just dropped his gloves. Is that part of his game? Fighting a king. Is that part of his game? Because go ahead. He can protect. He does protect himself, but he he's not his dad. Right. And he, I mean, he's shorter, and he. As much as it's kind of a weird thing, he has diabetes, and 
I think that they tried to protect him a little bit. They kind of baby him a little bit more. I mean, that's why we got Downey in the first place was to kind of protect our babies. Well, John Scott so, too, um, but then you put him on waivers, right? He's still he's still with the club, but he's just on waivers. They did that with Chitura last season too. Um, so whatever they do with him in the next thirty days, who knows? But like he's still up with the team, but he's just on. He was just put on waivers. He was not assigned to Springfield. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I, I thought that was a real good signing. Um, we'll get into the Coyotes a little bit more in the second segment of the show. There's a couple other teams. I'm surprised that. Uh, the start that Vancouver's been on, they were once again kind of predicted to take another step backward after losing losing Kevin Bieksa. Um, I was pretty sure Ryan Miller couldn't stop a beach ball anymore. And look at him; he's playing. He, yeah, I had the same. I had the same. I thought Ryan Miller was done too, but uh, he's got two shutouts already, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And then back in the mm-hmm. East, Montreal and Detroit. Not really surprised. Uh, Montreal, I think, is playing with a chip on their shoulder this year. They got pretty close the last couple of years, and I think they believe in their locker room that they are going to be the Eastern Conference representative in the Stanley Cup final this year. Um, and they're playing with it. Well, they have. Um, well, they have Carey Price. I'm mean, like, I know it's you know kind of a cliche, but how you can't go somewhere with Carey Price? He has 43 wins last year, like. He plays insane. He's like one of the best goaltenders, and I would have a chip on my shoulder. I would get the to defense in front of Carey Price. That's the problem. I know it's not the defense that is not PK Subban. That is the problem in Montreal. That and I, Carey Price carried that team. They have been. Uh, I mean, last year for sure, we went over it in our Atlantic Division preview. Their their goal scoring was like under twenty twenty third or twenty fourth in the league. Chris, is that? Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, I believe I believe last year they were uh, memberships correct. They were like around between sixteen and twenty in terms of their goal scoring. So that's that's their you know being able to get that extra key goal uh, is I think the big question mark for them. Maybe as the season moves along, we know they're going to be a strong contender in the Atlantic and the top team in the East going to the playoffs. The question is, will they be able to add? Uh, or will some of their young guns take a big step this year, and uh, that'll improve? You know, mm-hmm. special special teams there big... too. Special teams they got to score their power play goals. Their power play is atrocious. Yeah, they got they got to score on their power play, and I, I might have to agree. I don't, I didn't have them coming out of the East, but as we go farther into the season, I don't know how much backtracking are we allowed to do, Chris. <laughs> I might have to. It's hard to bet against Carey Price when he's got all the trophies. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's look at some of the 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 teams that haven't won. Maple Leafs. Uh, not surprising. <laughs> um, oh, Toronto. Yeah, poor Toronto. Well, at least they have the Blue Jays. <laughs> Did you? We could go on baseball just for a second. I don't know if anybody saw that baseball game last night. That was ridiculous. Oh, I'm I'm a religious baseball. I mean, like hockey is one of my sports, but I'm religious into baseball. So, what did you I think? Of, what did you think of the seventh inning last night? Oh my god! No, I Jose Bautista. Oh it's unbelievable! Like I've never really been a fan or anti him, but. That bad flip was a thing of beauty. Like, I think that bad flip should be shown to every player ever as just a, this is your incentive to win. I'll tell you what, if I if that, I was a pitcher and that was a seven-game series, he'd be wearing fastballs in his ear for the rest of the series. Oh, yeah. I'd, 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 drill, I'd, I'd drill him every time he came to the plate. He wouldn't flip another bat. <laughs> I guarantee you that. I know. Uh, pretty good baseball game, though. That seventh inning reminded me of the movie Angels in the Outfield with the Rangers, uh, <laughs> basic high school plays, uh, two by uh, the $100 million supposedly gold glove shortstop and Elvis Andrews. Uh, well, that was just, that was, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a Texas Ranger fan, but oh boy, that was, that was brutal to watch. I couldn't even imagine if that was my team. So let's get back. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I 
my husband left work and then he was on his way home and he was and you know I'm I'm a Royals fan and a, actually I'm a Diamondbacks fan first but a Royals fan second but I was watching the Blue Jays game and at, when he left I was like oh it's so sad the Blue Jays are gonna win and he got home and he's like they're gonna that one's so sad they're gonna lose and he got <laughs> home and he said oh yeah they're gonna lose <laughs> and I was like shut up <laughs> yeah. Well, going going back into the Eastern Conference, the half of the Metropolitan Division has yet to win a game, as I I know Chris covering the Islanders is well aware. Um, two of the teams you probably say, oh yeah, okay, another with Carolina and New Jersey. Um, Penguins definitely uh, surprising with their offseason moves. You'd think they were gonna. I, I I think I read Crosby doesn't have a point yet. Uh, Kessel only has Ooh. one point, and. Malkin only has one point so far, so that that would translate directly to zero and three start. And then we had Columbus taking that next step up, didn't we, Chris? And they're they're zero and four now too. Well, I they got think a touchdown scored on them last night. Yeah. yeah, I think I, if I remember correctly, everyone was assuming, uh, and I'm a fan, I think Columbus is a good team, but everyone was translating that well. They finished the season so strong last year, and now they made all these moves. You know, in sports now, every season is a new season. And even as great as they finished the season last year, and I can give you uh, positive odds going into the next year, it's not a guarantee. And there's a lot of expectations on this team, even though they didn't make the playoffs last year. They traded for Brandon Saad. You know, they haven't had an easy beginning schedule, but, uh, you know, obviously they think, you know, they started with a home-and-home with the Rangers. Uh, but things have, you know, gotten uh, gotten off to a very rough start, and there's been a lot of rumblings about the coach. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see about Columbus this year. I mean, they, you know, they're they should be a playoff team to say the least. But uh, there's questions about that defense. And then I think the latest quote I saw was Brabovsky just saying like he has no confidence right now, which is not what you want to hear out of your number one netminder who uh, most people think is a borderline franchise goalie if not a franchise goalie it reminds me so much it reminds me so much of the beginning of last season for uh, for the coyotes what's going on in columbus like the quotes coming out of there interesting and well let's uh i guess like what what, what bobrowski is saying but pittsburgh crosby was held uh shotless for the first two games yeah Um, and he's not shooting because he has kessel on the wing Got to shoot the puck. Got to shoot the puck. Um, well, I guess we could go to the Pacific Division and bring up Anaheim and the Kings. Um, and Edmonton. Yeah, not a surprise, though. Um, people thought they were going to jump no. out maybe with McDavid, and uh, they shored up their back end a little bit, bringing Takara in, but there's, there's still a lot of work to be done in Edmonton. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, King, Kings, though. Well, see, the, the, the Kings, I, I, as a Phoenix fan, I hate every L.A. team and think that of they course. should just fall into a hole. But, of um, course. Yeah, they should just... Well, it, if you look at it with their leadership group that, that left, um, and we're getting up close to the break here, but real quick, uh, losing losing Stoll, Williams, and Richards out of that locker room, I, I think, is is play, taking a bigger toll than a lot of people, including myself, thought it would. And the fact that they do have roster turnover for the first time since really 2011, the 2012 Cup team was pretty much kept intact all the way through the end of last season. And you're trying to plug in Nick Shore as your third-line center, not Jared Stoll. You're trying to plug in Jordan Wheel, who's an undersized winger. He's supposed to be a scorer, and he's playing fourth-line not the recipe for you know an undersized scoring winger to go down and play with Kyle Clifford that's not uh not where he's going to find success Luchas didn't really find a home on the first line they've changed him down now to play with Carter um I think there's a lot of chemistry issues that that are going to have to be solved there and also um the leadership vacancy in the locker room is going to have to be addressed I don't know what you guys see from the outside but that's what I see yeah I think I think Mike Richards was a bigger voice in that locker room than I think they realized. I agree. I agree. And that's going to come back to haunt them in both the 
cap hit and what goes on. Well, let me let me take us out to the break here, and uh, we'll be right back. This is Mark with the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and this episode of the show is brought to you by promotional considerations through HockeyTalkRadio.us. Hockey Talk Radio is a 24-hour streaming website featuring all hockey talk all the time. From coaching, skill development, fan podcasts, and more, check out HockeyTalkRadio.us. All right, this is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, back from the break, and we were we were wrapping up our our discussion of the Kings' dismal start. Um, I know, Chris, you wanted to t- touch on Justin Williams. Yeah, obviously not having Justin Williams on the team is, is, uh, is a big transition as well, but, you know, the Kings have a good squad. There is a lot of turnover. Uh, I know King fans don't want to hear this, but you just got to be a little bit patient. They have a good team. Uh, I expect to turn around uh, very soon. Nah, I, I kind of agree with that. I It was asking a lot for them to come out of the gate, barnstormers with a bunch of new players and a bunch of kids. Although the kids did win the Calder Cup championship last year in the A. That's a whole different whole different ball of wax. Um, I wanted to look at the Ducks, too. They, uh, they're supposed to, you know, according to... Most prognosticators were going to take that next step and, and get to the Stanley Cup Finals this year. A lot of people did have Montreal and the Ducks or the Rangers and the Ducks playing for the Stanley Cup this year, and the Ducks are off to pretty much the same ugly start that the that the Kings are off to. They had a lot of roster turnover, too. Do you guys think that uh, the roster turnover and the chemistry is going to be the same issue there? I know they're trying Getzloff and Perry on separate lines. I don't know how long that's going to last if this keeps up. They need to not, if they want anything productive to happen, they need to put uh, Getzlaff and Perry back together. The turnover this that past season for the Ducks, some of the moves didn't make sense to me. Um, like getting Bieksa uh, is, okay, great, you have a good defenseman, but he did take a very stupid penalty towards the end of the third period. He elbowed Bodker in the face, and I'm going to be he should probably get a phone call for it. That could have been extremely dangerous because he blindsided him. Yep. It's I know they were really frustrated last night, and I'm just glad the Coyotes walked away with no injuries because of it. Um, but something is amiss with the Ducks, and I don't know if it's the coach. I don't know if it's the locker room, but something is wrong. I think it's the influx of Vancouver Canuck blood myself. No, 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 no offense, Vancouver, but... Uh, when your team gets down up there, you you tend to play outside of what your game plan should be, and that's speed, skill, and put the puck in the net. And those two were the main ones. And they absolutely were, and it's probably why they're not there anymore. Um, I I tend to see that starting to happen now in Anaheim, and that's I think that's a big reason why Vancouver never got over the hump when the Sedins were in their prime is they would get frustrated, and then they would lose discipline and poise. And I think, I, well, I'm not a Ducks fan, but for, for Anaheim's sake, I hope that doesn't uh, morph itself into their psychology because they're losing three game sevens at home in the playoffs three years in a row. Their psychology is already weak, in my opinion, and bringing in a couple players that have a history of losing their poise in tough situation isn't going to help that. It's really not, and I think Sudro turned about the shade of a Coyotes jersey last night, about halfway through the second period. Yeah, no, no questions about it. Well, let's. Uh, we got you guys here to talk some Arizona Coyotes hockey. So we touched on it a little bit. Off to a blistering start. The rookies are killing it. Um, I was really excited to see Max Domi. Like you said, I thought I was going to see him play last year. Um, but but uh, Boddicker, right? Hansel too. Both off to good starts as well? Yeah. Yeah, um, I think Walter got an assist last night, and Martin Hansel is on fire. He, yeah, absolutely. He had three of the four assists last night, and yeah. he's. I think he's up to six points. All and both of those players kind of have something to prove because they were injured last season. So I think both of them came out and they're like, don't take us like babies. Don't treat us like infants. We're here and we're going to... Show it, show you what we're worth for, what we're worth. Because 
Hansel, I think, hasn't had a full season since before the lockout. And um, Mikel ha- uh, Bodker had a unfortunate spleen incident last year. Um, <laughs> he had not missed a game until his spleen ruptured. Yes. And so they both, I think those two players are two players to look for in the next coming weeks. Um, just because they they want to be back in the game. Like, I just, wa- watching them is watching the future, I think, for the next little bit. So they, they, and it is a contact year for Bodker. Okay. Um, because of the Glendale situation, he didn't sign more than a one-year contract. Plus, I think the Coyotes are wanting to see if he can still play like he did before his injury. Because he was on track for 25, 30 goals. On the before his clean rupture. On the back end, uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at it now. McCulloch's playing good. Ekman Larson, obviously, mm-hmm. he should be a uh, perennial Norris Trophy McCulloch candidate. McCulloch is doing what he does and blocking all of the shots. Yeah, absolutely. He actually got a shot in too on the first game. Now, Connor Murphy is this his first year with the club, and is he dressed at all? Uh, this is his going to be his second full year. He came up in the 2013-14 season. Just for a little uh, bit, though, right? Been, uh, he played 30-some games his rookie, his first year. Okay. He only looked like he 16. He played a lot of – he played most of the season last season. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, um, he's, he's – Go ahead and describe his solid. game to me. Go ahead. Is I, I don't know much about him. He, I, I I see he's a young oh, kid. Connor Murphy. Yeah. Um, he is a big kid. He's six four, about two fifteen to twenty. Nice. Um, he is. It's going to help him playing with Nick Grossman a lot, so he can learn how to um, use his size properly. Uh, a lot of people are predicting that he is going to be Ekman Larson's uh, long term defensive partner. Uh, Murphy is a right handed right. Uh, defenseman. Okay. So Tibbet likes to keep right-handed rights and left-handed lefts together. He likes to actually have the symmetry unlike some coaches. Um, just playing the defenseman where they have them. Um, but Murphy is probably going to be Ekman Larson's uh, partner in the future. And I'm okay with that. He's learning how to hit people properly um, using his size and having Grossman as a mentor is definitely going to help and he's not offensive, but he can put the puck in the net. That's a big pairing. I'm looking. Grossman's six four two thirty. He's six four two twenty. That's uh, that's some beef on the blue yeah. line. Yeah, Grossman does not let anyone get past him. It's he took out three penguins in about five seconds on Saturday. Nice. Very nice. It's good. To, uh, we were saying in the Pacific Division preview that we did that uh, they had a lot of. I was looking at hockey futures this morning too, just to refresh myself on it. They had a lot of kids that are, and and they should um, picking picking high draft picks every year. But their their scouting and development there in Arizona has been nailing it on their draft picks as the kids from the you know a little while, a couple years back, and then. Even last year, the kids starting to come up and make the team and contribute solidly. Um, this, you know, you could parallel this in the Buffalo Sabers as, you know, looking two or three years down the line when when the the you know the Domies and the Duclairs and the Murphys when all that starts to come together and they start to slow the game down, this, they're going to have a really good team there. They will, and I think Dan Bowsma is the right coach for Buffalo at this time. Hundred um, percent. For what? For what he did with the Penguins, stepping in and getting them to the final, uh, in winning, and winning, <laughs> you look at it and you go, <laughs> and you go. I think he's the prop. He's the right coach for Buffalo. It's going to take a while, but once Buffalo starts clicking, it's going to be scary once they get their prospects up and running. Absolutely, I wanted to ask too a couple. Uh, you guys got a pair of Samuelsons down there, and I believe your AHL team is in Springfield. Is that right? Yeah, it's uh, they're in Springfield this year. I, I was thinking that Heinrich was knocking on the door and ready to make the team. What can you tell me about him and where his development's at? Um, I know. I believe he got sent down because he did get hurt during um, 
the uh, preseason, and Martinook just kind of took over that spot. It was a toss-up for me between Martinook and uh, Henrik Samuelson being on the team this season. Um, and his development has gone a long way. I think when they sent him back to Edmonton um, and then they won the Memorial Cup, his skating has gotten a lot better because that was one of his marks against him. Right, right. It's still not still not 100%, but it is a lot better than it was two seasons ago. Um, his brother, I thought his brother might have was pushing to make the lineup too. Um, Phillip is a very good defender. Um, we just don't need any more left-handed shots. That is basically what the Coyotes have hoarded. Yeah, I'm looking at that. Uh, both both sons of Ulfie, which I was I was a fan of Ulfie when he was playing, so I kind of keep my eye on those kids. They got him, actually, Philippe, they got in a trade with Pittsburgh. Is that correct? Uh, yes, we got we got uh, Philip uh, on a trade when we sent Rob Clinkhammer to Pittsburgh last season. There you go. That's right. That's right. And Duclair, the Duclair trade... Uh, I know, I know that uh, Yandel's dynamic and everything, but you guys got to be happy with how the Duclair trade's shaping up right now, too, right? Pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Anthony Duclair has uh, more points last night than Yandel does all season right now. And maybe half of last year, too, right? <laughs> uh, well, probably with the but, Rangers. Uh, yeah, with the Rangers. Yeah, it's not better, but don't worry. And keep in mind, I don't have to tell the girls this, but... They got the Rangers' second-round pick last year in that trade with Keith Yandel, and they have the Rangers' first-round pick this year. So if Anthony Duclair looks like he's going to be at, you know, at least a top-six forward, and they have those two other picks, I mean, that trade has a chance. Uh, and Yandel's a free agent at the end of this year. That, that, that trade has a chance to be a bonanza for the Coyotes. I think yeah. Don Maloney may have gone a little genius level with his trades last season. We um, got back. I mean, we we traded out, and then we got back most of the people we traded out. Yeah, I know. Vermette came back. He Antoine Vermette went won a cup and came back, right? Yep. And and McCullough came back um, after the Blues um, after he got traded to the Blues because he loves it here. That's the funny thing about. I mean, you know, other fans might downplay it, but a lot of sports players really like Arizona. It's a great state to live in. I mean, there are a lot of negative sides. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but there's so many former sports players who live here. It's probably insane. Um, just because the weather is pretty decent all year round. And if you've beaten the heck out of your body for 10 years of your life to make money, you don't want to be in a place that's cold. So... Much he better. Has, I mean, like Shane Jones says, he considers himself an Arizonan. Right, right. Much so, better be playing golf, playing golf in January than shoveling snow. There's no question about that. <laughs> I have two quick questions for the girl, uh, for the girls, Mark. Okay, hop in. Um, the, uh, the first one being, uh, again, don't get this the wrong way, but let's assume that the Coyotes don't make the playoffs. If they were to win the NHL lottery. How I mean, is it? Are we making too much of a big of a deal outside of the, the state of Arizona that not only would the Coyotes land a potential star in Austin Matthews, but the fact that he's a hometown kid uh, that could, from a, a standpoint of on and more importantly off the ice, just could be a tremendous situation uh, uh, for the Coyotes. Are we reading, are we uh, being a little too dramatic in that, or is, do you think do you guys think that? Uh, some validity to that. I don't think there's any way you can underplay that. I mean, as a young team, to have a hometown boy come to our team, that is the dream. That is the ideal. I mean, sadly enough, he's young enough probably not to remember the time when there wasn't a team here. But, uh... No, he's been alive long enough for the Coyotes to have always been here. Oh my gosh, sorry. Age thing. Um, yeah, no, anyways, I'm, I'm with you there. <laughs> I think anyone has an ideal. Pe- I mean, Darling in Chicago was, what, the first real hometown boy? And yeah, that but the was- Coyotes drafted him. <laughs> I know, that's kind of funny. 
I mean, and like when he won the cup, to have him win the cup in his team, it's amazing. Like, I think that would be killer. Yeah. But with Austin like Matthews, I think you... Sorry. But with Austin, no, you okay. do have to... Um, he played his... He started playing hockey in Arizona. It's going to bring a lot of kids wanting to play hockey here. Let me let me jump in. I got I to gotta take us to a break here. So uh, we'll be right back. This is Mark with the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and this episode of the show is brought to you by promotional considerations through HockeyTalkRadio.us. Hockey Talk Radio is a 24-hour streaming website featuring all hockey talk all the time. From coaching, skill development, fan podcasts, and more, check out HockeyTalkRadio.us. And we're back again. Sorry to cut you off like that, Sarah, right in the middle of your Austin Matthews soliloquy there. Uh, you want to go ahead and finish up where you left off? Um, so with Austin, it is, it's going to be nice if we could get the hometown kid. But you also have to remember Matthew Kachuk is in this draft, too. So if they don't get the first overall pick, you could still get the son of one of the heroes of the Phoenix Coyotes. Right, right. Kind of like the Jack Eichel but consolation prize. Austin would... I think having Austin would really help touch a lot of different demographics. Um, but there is hockey development in Arizona, and he's a product of it. And I think if it's us or if it's – please not the Oilers. Um, no. <laughs> uh, who get Austin uh, Matthews, I think it's going to be a big deal – wherever he goes, just because he is from Scottsdale. He claims Scottsdale as his home, even though he was with the development program for so long. Now, we got a kid from Vegas in the NHL right now, Jason Zucker, number nine on the Minnesota Wild. And, uh, boy, it'd be, be a great – That's uh, awesome. It'd be a great coup to bring him back. Yeah, he grew up here and uh, started playing ball hockey and uh, did, did go up and play juniors – where it's cold, but uh, definitely a product of Las Vegas. And he comes back and does off-season uh, camps with the local kids that are, you know, we do have skating rinks in in <laughs> in Las Vegas. Our kids can count higher than 21 here. Um, this, you know, there's other things going on besides that. Um, but, no, he is. He's a big part of the community. And, and it, you know, if Matthews ends up in Arizona, I think that would be fantastic for the franchise. Mm-hmm. I know Chris wanted to get into some of the uh, technical aspects of the Glendale deal, so I'll let Chris take over and run a couple questions by you. Yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, from before being on Long Island and seeing a situation where we almost lost our team, I mean, uh, I followed it, the situation from far. I, but, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't know the ins and outs like you guys do, and I'm asking you to rehash uh, the whole uh, kid and caboodle, but I guess just going forward, where we are today, obviously the Coyotes assigned uh, with the Glendale Arena through uh, this season as well as next season. So what are we looking at? What, are, what is ownership looking at, the league looking at in terms of uh, making sure that the Coyotes stay in Arizona long term? Uh, what are the key markers, if you will, that we should be uh, uh, keeping our eyes out for? Well, I'm pretty sure Gary Bettman is at the point of over my dead body about the Coyotes leaving. Phoenix is the 10th largest media market, and the NHL needs that share for the TV deal. Um, don't get me wrong, Vegas is a big town, but it's not the same media market. Um, and we have the other major sports teams here, plus arena football and WNBA and all kinds of other things. Um, and they have, have spring training here. The media market is huge. Bettman does not want to lose this market. So basically what the Coyotes have through the end of this season, they are guaranteed. Um, but the city of Glendale is doing a um, request for proposal, and they're looking to maybe try to get someone in at the beginning of July 2016, which would undercut the Coyotes' two-year deal. Um, basically there are a couple of options. There is the move them somewhere, but with the expansion process going on with uh, Quebec City and Vegas, the only place they could maybe move them is Kansas City, but being from Kansas, 
I don't see that working out in the long run. It would go off worse than the Coyotes leaving Arizona. Um, the Suns, the Phoenix Suns want a new arena. Um, and their owner is looking into it. And the city of Phoenix wants the Coyotes to stay in the Valley because it does bring in a lot of money to the Valley because people do come in just for hockey. I work in the tourism industry, um, the hospitality industry as my day job. And I do get people going, how far away from you are, are you from Gila River Arena? How far away from you are from this? It, it happens, and it's all the Canadians coming down during the busiest times of year. The schedule actually helps us with that this season. But they want to build a new arena. The Suns want to build a new arena, and the Coyotes and the Suns have shared before when it was America West when they first got here. Right. That is an option. Yes, there would be obscured view seats, uh, hopefully not as bad as Barclays. Um, but know. it's an they option. Know. <laughs> this scoreboard isn't centered, and that bugs me. <laughs> you know, maybe you know, us people in New York were a little more creative. What can I tell you? <laughs> um, but at America West, <laughs> I said we're a little more we're creative or centered. I'm gonna go with off-centered, uh, Chris. <laughs> off-centered. Um, but. I thought now. I thought when the when the whole fiasco was going on down there, not to touch on a painful subject. I thought that the uh, the mayor and yeah. the owner of Phoenix ha- extended the olive branch and invited the Coyotes back to share in the process of that new arena. Is that correct? Um, mayor Stanton of Phoenix, he wants the Coyotes to stay in the valley. Uh, he understands how big that is because being a a metro area that has the four major sports franchises is huge yeah Um, for sure and i know one of the city council i think one of the city council from phoenix as well um i haven't heard if they have actually set up any meetings with the coyotes because they are the leblanc and the ownership are committed to staying to arizona Yes, they have changed from staying staying in Glendale to staying in Arizona once the um, request for proposal came out, but they don't want to leave. Well, the thing is, with with the Phoenix market, we have the benefit and the, uh, I don't know what the other word is, but we have the good and the bad. Uh, we're a transplant city, so let's say you move from Chicago or you move, because uh, we have a ton of Chicago people in the city. It is sick. Uh, but if you move from New York or any of these places to, to retire and you're a huge hockey fan, you're going to want to see your team, even if it's just once a year. Like, I've been to Red Wing games, and Lord help me. Oh, but man. it's <laughs> a sea of red. Yeah, absolutely. Blackhawks, too, I think. Blackhawks oh Black game last season, it was a sea of red. There's just enough color difference between the two jerseys where you're going talk coyotes talk coyotes. <laughs> now we get we get the. Like, go ahead, Liz. Go ahead. So that's just basically. I mean, every sport we have Diamondbacks. There's you go to games and a cub. You don't want to go to a Cubs game for a Diamondbacks. You just don't want to because there's more Cubs fans than Diamondbacks. But it's. I think that our city's smart enough to know that we need to keep the four major sports here because it would it keeps the old timers and the transplant happy. So I think we would do anything to keep a team here. You know, that's interesting that you say that too. Uh, that's one of the negatives that people try and list about Las Vegas is the transient population. But, you know, everybody's from somewhere else. And we had Clint Malarchuk on the show. And... One of the things he said was that people move here from Canada, they move here from Chicago and Minnesota and New York, and they escape the cold, but the one thing that they do miss is their hockey. And you may show up at a game to see the New York Rangers if you grew up in New York, or you may come to the Blackhawks game if you're here from Chicago. But you're going to go to other games as well, and and growing up as a Kings fan, I'll always be a Kings fan, but... uh, I'm going to be a Las Vegas fill-in-the-blanks. Black Knights is the current front-runner, but I'm going to be a Las Vegas fan until they play the Kings, and 
uh, you know everybody I've talked to out here feels the same way. They'll go to, they'll go to the games. They'll support the franchise, but when just for whatever the Blackhawks show up, they're going to be wearing their Blackhawks red, and that's fine. Whatever puts the money in Mister yeah, Foley's pocket. That is how it is here. You have the the ticket holders who are decked out Coyotes have been season ticket holders for 10, 20 years. That one game they'll show up in a Blackhawks jersey, and I'm just like, okay, I understand. But. Ah, you gotta, you gotta understand. You gotta understand. I'm gonna be the same way. When the, you know what, I'll probably wear a Kings hat and my Las Vegas Black Knights jersey to the games um, when they play the Kings. But other than that, I mean, I, I me, me, and everybody else. Before I was, before I was a hardcore Coyotes fan, I was a Penguins fan, and I did go to a game in a Penguins jersey. So I, I have no room to talk. There you go. There and you go. I, I have a lot of split team loyalty as well. So, I mean, I went to like the first season of the Coyotes, but my family is all from Omaha and Kansas City. And you'd think I'd be a Blues fan, but I'm not. My Omaha family beat into me the Blackhawks because that was the market they were in. Um, but, yeah. So there's that slight part of me that thinks to myself, oh, but my other boys, but hometown team become your boys really quick for sure for sure i learned that fairly quickly <laughs> i don't i don't think having the the transient quote population is a negative i look at it as it's one less person in the valley that we're going to have to educate on hockey they're already built-in hockey fans they're already waiting to go to a game um the challenge i think mm. for the new franchise here and you guys have been through it is to educate the people that haven't grown up playing pond hockey or going to the new york islanders games or what have you and only really watch hockey every four years in the olympics or you know when there's a team usa sweater on um that's the challenge is re- reaching out to those fans they now that um fox sports arizona has picked up most of the games i think there's only 10 games they are not airing and it's most of the canadian games or early morning games in canada um because i know the senators game next um, next week is not on TV. Um, and it's like at 9 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. But the, the people who are fans of other teams, their kids are Coyotes fans. And the Coyotes do an amazing job with their marketing to reach out to kids. They want to grow the market from there. They have an amazing development program and they're reaching the kids' market. They did start a trade-in for jerseys um, if a kid comes in with another team's jersey, they they will replace it with a Coyotes jersey, and it's been happening. Because Boom. Kids like the team, like like the one team, because their parents are a fan, but they like love all of Rexon Larson, or they love Martin Hansel, or they love Mike Smith, or they love Shane Doan. They're able to get those jerseys by giving up a jersey they don't really care about. I like now that. We're getting to a phase in our lives that twenty years. It's been twenty years, right? Yeah, it's going to be 20, 20 years next season. This is Stone's 20th season in the NHL. Wow. Right, so 20 years or almost 20 years, that's money-making people who don't have responsibilities other than college who can spend money on our team. Like, as bad and inhuman and money-wise as it says, that is, I mean, like, once you turn 18, 19, you have... Even when you're broke, you have dispendable income. <laughs> so we want to appeal to those age groups. We want to be, you know, you go on a hockey night with your friends and family. For and, sure. Or your, like, fraternity decides to go to hockey for a night. So, and I mean, ASU has one of the top uh, hockey teams in the nation. And it also has a women's hockey team coming next year. So anybody who lives in Phoenix. Women talkie, get into it. It's happening. There you go. Um, but sorry, had to do it. No, uh, please. <laughs> but, well, an ASU going D one is going to be a huge, huge boost. Um, there were six thousand people at the ASU U of A hockey game at Gila River Arena. Nice. Well, we got nominated. Here at here at UNLV, we picked up their general manager, who Z Khan. Are you familiar with Z? He uh, helped move ASU in the direction of 
going Division One, and now he's here and he's starting to blow UNLV hockey up. So hopefully we get the same the same growth that he was able to build there in Arizona State. Well, we're coming up against another break, ladies. If you want to make uh, one more point, go for it. Um, it's just I'm tired of people saying that there is no hockey in Arizona, and with everything we just said about ASU, it's it's here, and I think um, everyone just needs to get used to it. There you go. There you go. And I think I agree with that, adding the desert into it. Hockey, you can come to the desert and enjoy it. Also, just look for women's hockey, too. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep that point. The C- then WHL is coming up, plus look for your college and uh, female hockey teams because we want girls and boys to get into hockey. This is Mark with the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and this episode of the show is brought to you by Promotional Considerations through HockeyTalkRadio.us. Hockey Talk Radio is a 24-hour streaming website featuring all hockey talk all the time. From coaching, skill development, fan podcasts, and more, check out HockeyTalkRadio.us. Okay, that was a rough segue coming out. Uh, thanks, thanks so much to the AZ Din Talk girls. They did, uh, they did a great job. Definitely know their hockey. Um, what, do you, what do you think, Chris? That's three for three in our last three guests that uh, just blew us out of the water, huh? Yeah, no, they were great. I mean, people should check all three guests out. Two, uh, two weeks ago, the yeah, two weeks ago we had Matt Pryor on who. Uh, Memory can serve, uh, serves right uh, at the Hockey Writers. He's, you can find his stuff at, at Big Tech TEX1926. And then last week, uh, Matt writes about the Dallas Stars and the Florida Panthers, amongst other things. Last week, we had Jeff Ponder on. You can find him at J Ponder, P O N D E R, 94. The great St. Louis Blues, also from the Hockey Writers. And Mark, uh, maybe you can give out the girls uh, one more time. Uh, For sure. Handles and uh, as well as. It's Sarah and Liz, and they're the co-hosts of Den Talk, uh, Arizona Coyotes-based podcast on iTunes. And on SoundCloud, their link is AZ Den Talk. You can pick their podcast up there. You could also go to Five for Howling, which is the Coyotes SB Nation page to read some of Sarah's blogs. And then on Twitter, also at Sarah Howling, S-A-R-A-H-H-O-W-L-I-N-G. And Liz is at Cinderbella, C-I-N-D-E-R-B-E-L-L-A. Great job. Great job by the ladies. I know, Chris, you wanted to talk about how the Islanders got uh, transitioning down into the lower portion of Long Island there into Brooklyn and the Barclays Center. How's that going? Uh, It's a transition. Uh, You know, know, the last couple of years, everyone on Long Island knew this was coming. But now it's sunk in. Now... They are no longer playing at the Coliseum. Uh, people from Long Island are no longer driving to the games at the Coliseum. Uh, they're making, you know, they're basically uh, the way uh, the city is set up, uh, you really have to take mass transit, uh, take the Long Island Railroad, the train, right, it goes right into the Baltimore Center, kind of just like Ranger fans have done for years um, in terms of taking the train into the city, into Madison Square Garden. But, and, you know, there's been some different stories about, you know, Maybe, uh, you know, there was a few seats in the arena that were obstructed view. There's probably a few more than a few, and a, few, a little bit uh, worse than originally thought. But, you know, this all real stems to me, uh, and I wrote an article about this at the Hockey Writers, uh, and basically it was I on the fans, you know, like it or not, uh, Walkley Center is your home. And, uh, you know, people are still angry, and rightfully so. I mean... The reason we become sports fans is it's an escape. It's an escape from our everyday lives of the problems and the frustration. Put on a game, and we can just escape in our team. In essence, what happened to the Islander fans is uh, the real life stole their escape, if you will. Not to sound like too much of an armchair psychologist, but um, so. And at the end of the day. Uh, you had an owner who desperately wanted to keep the team on Long Island. By the way, you also had a commissioner who wanted to keep this team on Long Island. I don't know if this was published enough, Mark. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Do you know where Gary Batman grew up? I guess you're going to tell me Long Island, but I don't know. 
He did. He grew up on Long Island. So uh, the league wanted them to stay on Long Island. The owner wanted them to stay on Long Island. And just like a lot, not to get into a whole big debate about Washington, because that's a whole different sort of uh, side of the podcast, but I think what frustrates people the most is that not only does nothing get done, but it seems like no real valid attempt gets done at solving the problem. And that's kind of what happened here. It's only now, after the island is left, am I reading how uh, local politicians and leaders seem to be working harder than ever to get them back. I mean, they had more than 15 years to get this done. So um, there's a lot of, you know, uh, fans of the team have been going to the Coliseum, which, by the way, uh, was on its last leg. So they needed a new building. It wasn't like uh, they had a great building going on. It was a great building right. the game. But, I think everyone uh, can agree on that. Yeah. So, you know, people, this is where they've gone to as, as kids, as young adults, with friends, with families, you know, uh, you know, dads and moms taking their kids. So there's a lot going on here. And so it is going to be a transition. But what I would say to the Islander fans is, you know, keep in mind that while it's not the, the ideal situation where to get to solve and get a new Coliseum built right there on the ground, but the next best, best thing happened. And that was the island stayed in the local area and went to Brooklyn. And it's not easy. That doesn't always happen. Most of the time, the team, if it doesn't work out, uh, moves away. And that was a real option. And they were very fortunate. They had, they had an owner. I'm, again, I am not privy to this. But if I was a betting man, I would bet that Mr. Wong got more lucrative offers to move the team to go back to Kansas City or someplace else. So, you know, it's very easily... As we saw at the season this year, the New York Islanders could be defunct. Um, so I think, again, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a transition, and the fans have every and they and they have every right to be angry. But I think we have to have a little bit of a perspective here of bars and not the trees, and look at the Barclays Center from the standpoint of, well, you know, because. It didn't work on Long Island when it should have. But because of that, it saved our team. And uh, otherwise, right now, they'd be, they'd be playing in Kansas City, which has uh, a, a brand-new arena for a number of years now with no sports team. So I think it's going to take some time, honestly. And uh, I don't think when I say take some time, uh, it might even take a season or two for that to really uh, kick, kick in. I think I think you hit all the valid points there. Um, I went through losing the Rams out of Los Angeles, and at least you guys can still hop a train and get to your arena. If no one, no one from LA is commuting to uh, St. Louis to watch a football game, so you gotta you gotta kind of bright side that, and you know, put your what was it, eggs in the basket, birds in the bush, whatever it is. Um, they're still there. They're still available to you. They didn't. They didn't go to Quebec City. They didn't come to Las Vegas. They didn't go to Kansas City or Seattle or any of the other markets that were linked. Uh, so get get used to yeah, it. No, but I get it. Maybe. I mean, to be fair, to the, I mean, and this is not a negative on Brooklyn, but Brooklyn isn't um, uh, isn't Long Island. Brooklyn is part of the five boroughs, which makes up uh, you know New York City. Everyone thinks that New York City is exclusively. Exclusively Manhattan, but there's you know New York City's consists of the five boroughs, which Brooklyn is one of them, and and so Long Island no longer has a sports team. Now, granted, they're you know about 35 miles down the road or so, give or take, um, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot going on there, uh, both from a convenience issue as well as you know my team isn't on Long Island anymore, and uh, you know in terms you know. And like I said, and, and not to preclude the convenience issue. I mean, for instance, there's a lot of families who have season tickets and they take their sons and daughters to the game. So the dad would come home from the city, get everyone ready to roll, get to the Coliseum by 7 o'clock by first puck drop. Well, now those, those, those kids can't go to those games during the week. Because what is the father going to do? They're not going to put kids on a train by themselves, you know, depending upon how old they are. So there are a lot of issues involved. Um, but again... I think the fans do have to take a, a big picture look, but it's going to take some time. Maybe down the road they're going to. I hope everyone checks out uh, checks out my article at the Hockey Writers about it, and uh, uh, you know, and like I said, I feel their pain. But uh, 
the team would be tenfold, and nothing against Kansas City or Quebec, but it would be tenfold if they were uh, in, in another city, because then they would be gone. For sure. And then what would you do if you were an Islander fan if they moved away? I mean, it's not exactly... I can't see too many people translating over to becoming an, uh, a Ranger or a Devil fan. No. I mean, <laughs> you would almost be uh, like a, a person without a country. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's how it's been in L.A. with football for whatever it's been now, 20 years or whatever. Um, you wanted to touch on a little bit of Boston Bruins talk too today, I think. Yeah, we'll wrap up with the Bruins. You know, they got their first win last night. Their defense has looked rough, although they won, I think, I believe they won 6-2 last night. It's the story to watch. Boston really struggles. You know, what is their game plan going to be? You've already, I'm sure, read numerous Daniel charge chatter, at least trade talks in terms of, you know, would the Bruins entertain trading him? What could they get for him? You know, both Louie Erickson and Chris Kelly are unrestricted free agents uh, after this season, and Brad Marchand is only uh, signed through next season. So it'll be interesting to see if they kind of go a little bit by the wayside. Uh, and they're gonna, if they see that they're not going to be in a playoff mix or a, playoff, a chance to make the playoffs. Would it be a little house cleaning, acquiring draft picks, uh, and taking a step back to move to take a step two steps forward kind of mentality. You know, again, it's early. I'm not looking to bury the Bruins, but uh, um, something to watch. I've, I've started to hear the same things. I was listening to what NHL radio yesterday, I guess, in the car, and they floated the idea of maybe moving Chara or Marshawn or Bergeron. And, man, I couldn't, I couldn't get on board with that. I mean, they're... They had one bad year. They missed the playoffs. They've been in deep Stanley Cup playoffs runs. They've won a Stanley Cup with this group. Um, I mean, you could throw the same parallel out there that uh, oh, uh, the Kings, uh, they missed the playoffs. Let's let's get Dowdy, uh, Kopitar, and Dustin Brown and move them all out and pick up draft picks. I don't, I don't see that happening in L.A. and I'd be surprised if that happened. I think Boston's going to turn it around. And I think, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but they're going to contend for it. And I think you just got to add some pieces and some depth to replace the Dougie Hamiltons and the other guys that left. And they're going to be right back in the mix. Maybe not this year, but I don't I don't see them. Well, one thing to keep in mind, keep in mind about Chara is, I believe he's, what, 38, 39 years of age, 38 going on 39 or maybe he just turned 39. You know, he's not this, I mean, nothing against him. He's in the twilight of his career. He can still be a good player, but he's, you know, is he, uh, you know, going back a few years, that cup-winning team when he was, you know, a franchise defenseman who played 30 minutes a night? Um, you know, he's not that player anymore, um, mainly because, uh, you know, the, the games have taken uh, a toll on his body. He, you know, so he's not, he's not, they don't have a franchise number one defenseman anymore. I mean, they, they the team has uh, taken a step back in talent, in age. Um, you know, you know, basically, Milan Lucic is gone with, you know, with future picks, with, with, with proper prospects. So they lost a good player just there to, to uh, replenish the farm system. So, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm, I would be a little bit concerned of them this season on how good they're going to be, to be honest. I don't think they're going to be a terrible team, but I don't know if they're going to be. I can. I don't know if they're going to be a team in the mix for the playoffs. And if that do, if that does happen, if it's mid January and let's say they're hovering around 500 or lower below, you know, and they're getting phone calls about these, the players I just mentioned, and they can you know free up cap space and uh, load up on their organization. I think they're going to take a hard look at that. I mean, obviously they, that was part of their game plan this off season, which. What they did with players like you know Dougie Hamilton, so uh, like I said, that's something to watch. I, yeah. Again, it's early. I'm not looking to bury them, but I think it's something to watch. You know what, man? I missed my golden opportunity. We had the girls from the Arizona Den talk on earlier, and I really wanted to ask him how Chris Pronger was working out there. Um, <laughs> darn it! I I knew I forgot something. Well, they're undefeated, so. <laughs> 
<laughs> they must be doing something right. Well, Chris, we're going to be up against the last break here, so uh, I'm going to let you go, sir. It, again, another great week. I know you've got some things you're working yeah, on. Looking forward, to, looking forward to you. Looking forward to it. And then for Leaf fans listening to this podcast, make sure you listen next week. We're going to have a uh, Leafs writer on the podcast next week from the Hockey Writers. Yeah, look forward to that. Look forward to that. All right, Chris, I know you got a lot of a lot of irons in the fire this week. I wish you luck, sir. I hope everything that you're working Thank on you, comes buddy. comes out good for you, and we'll talk to you next week, man. All right, have a good one. All right. And we're gone.